Hi, my name is Dan Ariely, and welcome to Arming the Donkeys, a weekly podcast about science. Every week, I will talk to one researcher about one project who will have a chat about what they found and what it means for our lives. Decades ago, electrical therapy, also known as shock therapy, was a common, if controversial, treatment for severe depression and other psychiatric disorders. Today, electrical therapy is not widely used as a psychiatric treatment, and many medical experts regard it as ineffective and even dangerous. This week, Dan Ariely talks with Devin Hubbard, a biomedical engineer at UNC and NC State University, about some new and innovative approaches to electrical therapy. And it seems to me that you kind of found uh, an academic way to basically channel your desire to hurt people. Is that is that fair? <laughs> yeah, I guess you could think of it like that. And actually what we were trying to do is, is do the opposite and, and heal them. Uh, using electrical therapies. So, so tell me what it is. I mean, my, my imagination of electrical therapy is kind of the old days when you would strap people down to a chair and electrify them, and um, then they would go crazy sometimes. Right. So the traditional view on electrical therapies is interesting. Traditionally, and actually since about the 50s, we've been looking at uh, direct electrical stimulation, which is kind of what you're describing. You just you sort of hook somebody up to an electrical system and you zap them, and you see yes. what happens. And it's been used for treatment of psychiatric disorders in our particular. And, and in general, by the way, does it work? I mean, is this is there a good evidence, or is this just? Uh... It's kind of disputed for psychiatric. We're interested in anti-inflammatory. Before before we move to this, so mm-hmm. so you're saying psychiatric thing, maybe maybe not. We we don't really know. There's not real good evidence yeah. that it's working. Uh, I would not be an expert on that particular area okay. of the research. So. Okay, but, you, but you do, that's not what you do. No, I don't. So we actually use much lower stimulation voltages and currents. Um, and, and so since the 50s, people have started looking at using uh, small electric fields for healing purposes, some of which was anti-inflammatory. There's actually a lot of research based around bone healing. Now, why, why would that work? Why would electrifying a bone or a skin would wound, would, would heal right. something. So if you think about the body as a whole, it's constantly bathed in electromagnetic fields, um, produced primarily by the body itself. Um, cardiac and nerve cells and muscle cells are all electrical in nature, so they're constantly seeing a normal physiological electric field yeah. that is generated. And then on top of that, you can look at bone, and bone itself is a crystalline structure, and it turns out that that particular crystalline structure is piezoelectric, which means that it generates its own electric fields when it's mechanically stressed. So every time you stretch your bones, you exercise, you mm-hmm. kick a ball, you're yeah. creating some yeah. electrical field. You're actually a transient electric field, and it doesn't stay for very long because piezoelectric materials reconfigure the electric fields really yeah. quickly. And it probably doesn't uh, has a big magnitude of electrical Well, field. the voltage can actually be very large, and off the top of my head, I can't remember what it is in, in bone, but it can, piezoelectric materials can generate thousands of volts, but it's really? very low current. I see, yeah. It's sort of the trick. The idea for what we do um, is kind of comes out of the idea that physiologically we see a lot of electric fields and in in cases where there's a change in the electric fields um, like in, in the case of tissue damage we might expect so wait to wait wait so, a, a so when when there is when there is a tissue damage i see there's going to be a change in the electrical right, a field slight disruption in what what's normally seen what's normally now, seen but but it's, it's still a big gap to say that right. electrical field could heal that rather than it's an outcome that to basically saying it's going to be a source Absolutely. of influence and it's, so it seems kind of strange and i don't know that there's necessarily any 
basis for why one would make that argument. But you say, hey, but, wouldn't it be fun yeah. to electrify people with a low car? <laughs> and, and so that's kind happens. of what happened in the in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. People were like, well, well let's why don't see we what have happens. this spirit anymore when we could just say, hey, it wouldn't be fun <laughs> to do this? I know, and that would be just... wonderful, right? I think the FDA probably got a little angry about things. But what's interesting is, so out of the, out of the research from the, the 50s, 60s, and 70s, we discovered that, in fact, we can promote bone and tissue healing using electric fields. And what they were doing is they were using direct electric fields. So they were actually connecting electrodes into the tissues or on the surface of the tissues and electrifying it the way that you would expect, just uh -huh. like if, you know, in the Frankenstein movies where yeah. you sort of see them hooked up to the battery. And so what have you tried? So you, you basically put people next to something like a radio that... Right. So what we had, what we developed is my... my Graduate advisor actually worked on this in the 90s for NASA. They asked if they could figure out a way to promote bone healing and tissue healing using electromagnetic fields instead of direct current. Yeah. And he said, that's crazy. There's no way that would work. But if you'll fund me, I'll try it anyway. <laughs> right, funding which is, sort is of a good how research <laughs> works. Sometimes they say, well, we'll give you money to do it. And so they did. And he said, okay, I'll build a device that sort of mimics physiological electromagnetic characteristics, and you give it a try and see what happens. I'm not going to tell you this the details of how it works. I just want you to try it out and tell me what the results are. And lo and behold, they found positive results. When I stepped into the project, uh, that was sort of the state of things in terms of what he had done. And I did a little bit of research and did some literature review. And there's a group up at Johns Hopkins that had developed a similar therapy using slightly different magnetic parameters, but very similar. When you do the math, it turns out to look very similar in the tissues. So. I thought, okay, maybe we can actually replicate some of their work. So I went in and replicated their cell study. Or it wasn't actually a cell study done by them, but it was based on the, the uh -huh. equipment that they used. And I was unable to replicate their results. And so I thought, oh, oh this that's... doesn't work. Great, I've shown that this yeah. is all a bunch of garbage. It only works when NASA funds it. Right, exactly. <laughs> and so interestingly, we, we found negative results. And the reason wasn't necessarily because it wasn't working. What we discovered was that their original experiment was flawed. And they were using an inappropriate detection technique, I see. which is gone. So we decided to just take a shot in the dark. And we did an animal study. And we took it away from the university to a place that they could run this independently. And what they did was they did an animal study. It was blind. Yeah. And we gave them the devices, which essentially induce an electric field inside the tissues. And they compare it to no treatment and a strong steroid. Which, which animal? These are mi mice. Mice. Or actually okay. rats. Excuse rats. Me. So, so no stimulation, yes stimulation, and what kind of And wounds? then a positive control. And so we were using a well-studied... Um, inflammation model um, mm -hmm. called the carrageen and foot pad edema model. And this is used to test anti-inflammatory drugs for pharmaceutical companies. Uh -huh. And so they ran it for us on our, our stimulation therapy, and lo and behold, we found a re we actually found positive results okay. as compared to the so, negative So reducing inflammation. Yeah, so this model, essentially, they inject something that causes inflammation in the foot. They can measure the volume, and then yeah. we can look at systemic factors like interleukins and the inflammatory factors that you normally see. And when we compared it to dexamethasone, we were able to achieve something close to what's what's dexamethasone? Dexamethasone is a strong anti it's a strong anti-inflammatory steroid. So you're basically saying you have another you mm -hmm. have a control condition with nothing, and you have positive a, a positive control, which mm -hmm. basically is the kind of a very good drug. Yeah. And do you do better than the drug? No, we don't do better than the drug. And the, the, the dose we were giving is very strong for that drug, and we want to see a very reduced yeah. inflammation for that. Um, we were able to achieve between 40 and 60% as compared to dexamethasone. To so what, what kind of things do you think in principle could be helped with this kind of stimulation? Right. So this is really interesting. 
Um, what we found was that the inflammatory factors weren't reduced the way that we expected, but it still reduced the inflammation. And we've used this actually in veterinary clinics to look at nerve inflammation in the back. So for dogs who have had like a nerve pinch or degenerative yeah. discs, that are, they have urinary incontinence and sometimes they can't walk. If we apply the device, often we can help them regain some of their functionality and often they're able to regain the ability to walk. So, so do you think it's, it's mostly about inflammation or can you, think, can you spec about, speculate about the mechanism and say it's, inflammation is one example, but right. we could help things like, I don't know, increased hair growth um, <laughs> sure. change erectile dysfunction right. if you really want right. uh, pro progress. Yeah. So um, last question. So with all this knowledge that you have about the benefits of uh, magnetic stimulation, do you sleep on an electrical blanket? Do you, do you listen to radios from <laughs> no. a closer proximity? No. Are, you, are you stimulating yourself day and night in all kinds of uh, I, ways? I mean, if you think about it, we're constantly bathed in the electromagnetic radiation that's you know in the atmosphere from the yeah. 60 hertz light ballast to the radios that we're feeling. But no, I don't. Um, but what, what is kind of cool is I've actually, and these are not approved for use in humans yet, where especially yeah. if somebody's going through day to day life in a lot of chronic pain. And so that's, that's sort of one of the areas that yeah. we've been looking to and, see. And of course, it also shows that, you know, maybe maybe we shouldn't worry so much about uh, global warming because increased <laughs> radiation might have some, some yeah, benefits. Well, the, interesting, well. the interesting thing is you have to be careful because only certain frequencies and pulse parameters work. Okay. So the idea that you can take just a static magnet and put it over something, that is Not really. baloney. There's really no scientific uh, basis for that type of yeah. argument. This has been Arming the Donkeys, a weekly podcast with Dan Ariely of Duke University. To further expand your understanding of dishonesty, irrationality, and other human quirks, go to danarielli.com. <laughs>